Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Wild Black The blackest podcast <laughs> in the world No, just joking But um, I have a really dope person on today A person I really respect I've been in several um, discussions with in different groups A person that always has great feedback Always puts on and supports the, the wrestling community Deborah Axtail Hi everyone, hello, hello, hello <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You have broken my wrestling um, podcast interview, Cherry. This is my first one. Oh, well, so, so happy you. to have you on. And I know you'll be a very valuable contributor. You know, one thing that really strikes me about you is you, you have such a great sense of humor and just being in different um, social environments with you um, from a social media point of view and, and just hearing your perspective. And you always try to shout us out, which I'm so appreciative of. And I appreciate the love and kindness being sent back because that's what we try to put out in this wrestling world, especially for wrestlers of color. Um, we know that, you know, that it's growing. I mean, there's there's literally... Um, things trending, which we'll get into in a moment. But talk about your wrestling store because I think it's important for us as wrestling fans to talk about our store because, you know, a lot of times people don't know that. And it's and, and maybe a scary thing to tell people that we're wrestling fans or, or whatever. If, and if you're not a wrestling fan, you just don't get it. And I think we do have right. a unique worldview. So tell us about your experience become a, being a wrestling fan, how long you've been a fan, your story, your origin story. All right. Well, my origin story um starts off as a kid my cousin reggie was a big wrestling fan and you know back then i grew up you know i'm born in the 70s grew up in the 80s so you know we would watch wrestling on tv we'd watch wwf as what it was called at the time saturday mornings and i would watch um wcw on on tbs mm -hmm. so i grew up watching Sting, dusty um, that feud with, you know, Ric Flair, the four horsemen, you know, Lex Luger. So that's where I really, you know, got into wrestling. And I really liked, um, w WCW more, Ooh, but I felt like, spicy. Uh, yeah, I did because, you know, I, I love things. Mm -hmm. I love things. And, you know, but it was like, it was really low budget where WWF had like bigger budget. Mm -hmm. So, and they had other larger than life characters. They had Macho Man. I love Macho Man. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they had Hulk, you know, F. Hulk Hogan. I never liked him even then. They had, you know, <laughs> Razor Ramon, one of my favorite, you know, all time, you know, wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so over the years, I, I definitely watched it because a lot of kids my age at the time watched wrestling. Mm -hmm. Even if you were, even if you weren't a wrestling fan, people knew who Hulk Hogan was. Mm -hmm. People knew who Macho Man was, and that kind of thing. So, um, totally but surely, I kind of grew out of it because I felt like, oh, you know, should I like wrestling? You know, I'm going into, you know, uh, you know, college. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, like wrestling anymore. Maybe, maybe it's too juvenile or whatever. So I kind of, you know, went away from it, and then. Um, Slowly but surely, I got back into it maybe a couple of years ago because I didn't really see a lot of um, people of color at the time growing up that were really into wrestling. Mm -hmm. So um, getting on IG and seeing that a lot of people still love wrestling, I was like, wow, wow there's a lot of black people that, that love wrestling. There's a lot of, you know, my brown brothers and sisters love wrestling. So maybe, you know, maybe it changed. Maybe, you know, it's something I could fall back in love with. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I did. 
So, tell so me, I started um, to do that. Mm-hmm. So tell me, okay, that's so dope because growing up, uh, you had access to both. So did I, coming from the Mid-Atlantic, um, having access to WCW and WWF. Um, you know, I, I do remember in my early, even as early as probably four years old, um, having WCW wrestling figures. I'm talking about 93, 94. Talk about, um, I'm just curious about your perspective on the attitude era. Oh, no, no. First thing is I want to talk about, okay, when, when, what time did kind of brought you back? Cause I took a, I took a hiatus from wrestling for about a decade as well. I think right around 2005, I stopped watching maybe 2008, eh, right around 2007, 2008, I stopped watching. Then I came back in 2015 or eight, 16. So almost a 10 year break off wrestling. What brought you back right. specifically? Was it a storyline? Was it a person? Was it something? What's, what brought you back? Because that's a that's a layoff from the time that you watched it to, you know, right. 2010, 2010s, 2020s. Right. What definitely brought me back was um, I was on IG and, um, you know, I started seeing a lot of people of color that were still into wrestling heavy. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. Because, you know, at, at the time, you know, when I was a kid, I thought wrestling was real. Like, mm-hmm. people were bleeding you know, this, this, this stuff must be real. So, um, I was like, wow, people are still interesting and having the belts and that kind of thing. So, um, I started seeing that a lot of the wrestlers that I love were doing meet and greet. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, I wonder, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder what they're doing. So I started joining different, um, wrestling cages and things like that just to kind of get caught up. And then I started watching it on a television. I was like, okay, you know, there's, there's, you know, brand new stars, there's different shows now. And um, I started watching a lot of stuff on YouTube and two of my closest friends that never stopped wrestling, mm-hmm. never stopped watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Fred Rishani and my boy, um, Brian. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, no, no, you got to watch this. You got to watch that. Da, 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 da. So their enthusiasm for it still is what got me back into wrestling. Wow. And then when I started seeing a lot of wrestling, like black wrestling podcasts come up, I was like, okay, you know what? There are people that look like me that are heavily into wrestling. And um, let me see what this is about. And let me see, you know, what the temperature is. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't always people who looked like me or wrestlers that looked like me, you know, mm-hmm. on the main stage. Was so, there a specific person that really attracted? Like for me, when I saw John, uh, before he was John Moxley, what was his name? But when he was at WWE, before he became John Moxley, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, let me go back. I just refer to him as John Moxley, like as, as, as if his last thing didn't even, the, the shield never happened. Um, let's see. Let me see. Let me, let me see. Give me one second. His name. Oh, Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Dean Ambrose was right. the one, when I saw him, because I stopped watching and everything, and I was like, but when I saw Dean Ambrose, his just charisma, even when even though listening to certain interviews and how miserable he was at the time, um, so to right. speak. I was like, he really, his charisma, and even though he was playing kind of like a, a weird or whatever they call him a, uh, what was it, they called him something like a, uh, they call, uh, what did they call, the Enigma something, something, enigma. but whatever, they just called, right. they had a nickname for him, and he was like, he's all over the place, and he's un, he's like all unhinged, unhinged or whatever, but I loved him, right, I thought right, right. was there a specific person that drew you, I know your friends and everything, I know you were getting back into it, but was there a specific person that you started to watch and follow, and was like, okay, this is this is the person that when it, when it comes on, third, uh, you know, Friday nights, or Thursday nights, or Saturday, or Sunday, right. I'm gonna watch, who, was there a specific person that kind of caught your eye when you came back and started watching? Um, yeah, it definitely was, the new day okay. that definitely caught my eye and mm-hmm. and when Kofi won I was shocked yes 
because I was just like, what? They let a brother win, you know, the big belt and, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So that kind of piqued my interest. Um, you know, The Rock piqued my interest on and off. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I would say it was that. that. That definitely did. And also the fact that um, there were a lot of, you know, indie wrestling shows happening in New York, mm-hmm. where I'm from. Hey. I'm, oh, okay. Let me... Represent. Let me... Um, right. So let me see what that's about. But I would, I would say that. Okay. More importantly, yeah. I love that. So I'm going to ask you, as a person who actually grew up in the 80s wrestling boom versus the Attitude Era versus the 2020s, the the war, the Wednesday Night War era, which, you know, we've seen, Where what, what do you think is more is the golden era of wrestling now? When you compare the 80s to the 90s Attitude Era to now, what era do you think right now is the most best time in history of wrestling, in your personal opinion? I would say um, the 80s. Okay. Um, only because around that time, there was a lot of, you know, I had two stations I could watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, at the time, it was like there were stars. Mm-hmm. Like, Sting was a star. Mm-hmm. You know, Macho Man was a star. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I like that mm-hmm. about about wrestling. And, you know, they had better storylines. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, when I think about the, the horseman, for me, the classic horseman is, is you know, um, Barry Windham, mm-hmm. you know, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. you know, Arn Anderson, Tony Blanchard, like, you know, like, they, they, like, like they don't make them like they used to, like, even the valets. Mm-hmm. They don't make valets like Miss Elizabeth anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they tried to with Zelina, but it was just like, you know, the, the, it was a, a whole different time. Mm-hmm. You could be kind of be over the top. And sometimes, you know, things weren't exactly politically correct. So there are things that I'm, I look at now as an adult that as a kid I didn't pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, the, ne- the next time would be, you know, during the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Because I was a Razor Ramon fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And not knowing if that was real or not. And, and just the competitiveness. Mm-hmm. So I think whatever this competition, I think that, that does best for of the business mm-hmm. so you know i didn't get into really the attitude era too tough okay um but i but you know watching back you know it was a lot of you know hot wrestling like i remember stone cold mm-hmm. when he was studying steve austin mm-hmm. and the hollywood blonde you know what i'm saying with the camera you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. so it was good to see some of my favorite artists like advance into the attitude era and things like that but um I think after that, they didn't really make stars as much. It was kind of like everybody was just a player and that kind of thing, which is why I guess now Vince doesn't want to make stars because mm-hmm. they don't want to be, you know, beholden to certain people. But mm-hmm. I would say back then it was, there were more stars. It, it was, it was just more fun and more believable. Mm-hmm. Understood. Okay, nice. Thanks for that, that giving us that background on that as well. So let's get into the good stuff, the current stuff as we talked uh, prior to recording. I really want to get into um, the hashtag that was that was uh, trending for quite some time. Um, and that hashtag was Black Wrestling Drawers. And um, mm-hmm. let's talk about that because, you know, when AEW first came out on, on the um, the scene, they talked about diversity and they truly did have one of their first champions was, was Scorpio Sky. They've had their first trans champion, Native American champion as well, um, Nyla Rose um, as well. And they've had some diversity, but we saw, you know, as a really cool gentleman on the, on the, on the Internet circus, talking about, you know, um, all, 
all elite wrestling or all white wrestling, <laughs> all the white excellence that you see. Um, and I love AEW. I was with AEW from the day one. I followed everything. I was reading the articles. I watched the YouTube. Right. I was exciting because I became disenchanted with WWE. I love. I still subscribe to them. I still pay for the service. I'll never not pay for the service because of the access to the the history and the and and uh, and all that stuff. That that that's priceless, right? But. Right. Um, the value proposition is crazy, but um, I became disenchanted with the goofiness. I know they're trying to get in the younger audience and things of that nature, but when AEW came out, I was so excited about that. And in wrestling is in WWE with all the history that it's had with treating, you know, not necessarily being the best with wrestlers of color, black wrestlers specifically. Um, they've really made some corrections recently with, you know, Bobby Lashley, Kofi, like you said, Kofi mania, which really caught my heart, had me believing in things all over again. The story being told there, Sasha and Bianca at WrestleMania, as well closing that out um, Big E winning the championship from another black wrestler which has never happened ever in history um, WWE has been doing it right more than they've been doing it wrong recently and and you know and um, so when we see AEW you know we see a lot of the wrestlers are on dark they literally maybe it's for the darkies maybe AEW is for dark AEW dark is for darks <laughs> right right it's a, it's a, it's a metaphor metaphor you know? yeah this is, the, this is for the darkies right now I'm just joking but <laughs> but but the thing I noticed, and I want to and I want to get your perspective on it. I, I'm appreciative of Tony Khan hearing those things because it was a big sports, big swole, and the and the and the she was wrestling on dark. She had a great match against um, the Puerto Rican young uh, woman. I forgot her name, Diamante, I think. She was wrestling against her, and everyone was posting it on Twitter and everything. And then I went and watched, and and it brought more interest. And then Leo Mor- Lee Moriarty getting signed. Leo Rush being signed, oh. Mark Henry being put in a position of executive, being put in, in like a management position um, and stuff like that. What is your right. opinion on um, black wrestling draws? Are you happy with the response that uh, we even see with, um, you know, the young man, um, Dante Martin doing his thing, getting his shine and then right. building him up? Do you think that he, Tony Khan recently has done a good job of turning that back around and making adjustments quickly? Or what do you think? Um, okay, so, like, I always look at things being older through a certain lens, okay. and I believe that, you know, race takes a, takes a factor, is a factor on, on everything, mm-hmm. you know, so you can never discount that. So, with the WWE now, you know, I, you know, any business is, is always going to be a microcosm of the world, mm-hmm. right? So, if the world has racism and, and different type of elements to it, sexism, that type of thing, that's also going to be in whatever workplace that you're in, right? Mm-hmm. No, nothing isolated from that. Mm-hmm. So with WWE, um, having the benefit of watching it before the pandemic, mm-hmm. through the pandemic and now, you know, my take is this. Black wrestling does draw because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people of color that love wrestling Mm -hmm. and whenever you have you know a business where you kind of indirectly you know isolate a certain segment of the population you know people are going to speak up speak out against it and and speak their piece Mm -hmm. now unfortunately a lot of wrestling fans who have an issue with representation will still watch wrestling because mm-hmm. there's really no other place to watch wrestling mm-hmm. that you like so it's kind of like television you know but television has you know different channels you, you can turn the channels and things like that mm-hmm. now 
Black wrestling does draw. Um, during the pandemic, I noticed that, you know, there were a lot of wrestlers that weren't working, and a lot of the wrestlers that were working were wrestlers of color. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you started seeing a lot of people of color get belts and, and have certain pushes. I just kind of felt like, well, you kind of had to do that because there wasn't really anybody else to work with. Mm-hmm. So after the pandemic, let's see how that, you know, how that transpires. Let's, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was glad that, you know, Big E won. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad, you know, with Sasha and Bianca, you know, getting their shine. Because I believe, you know, that certain people should have the opportunity to showcase their talent. Mm-hmm. So, you know... But now, like, Bianca is getting watched, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's just like, okay, now that we have the crowds, now that we have the people back, you know, what's really going on? What's, what's really going to happen? Who's really going to get pushed? Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that, you know, Bobby Lashley a lost to another brother. You know, Roman is that guy now. So he's not going to lose the belt, you know, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But, um... You know, I just want to see how long Bobby, I mean, how long Biggie holds the belt mm-hmm. and, and what type of storyline he's going to have. Because now he's going against Drew, so so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't too keen on on Bianca losing the way she did. Yes. Because if she's supposed to be the EST, you know, I don't even understand how she got squashed like that. Because that was just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll get her opportunity, hopefully, to, you know, redeem herself. And, and get a belt somehow. But I just find it quite odd that someone that is supposed to be, you know, bar none, the best, mm-hmm. would, would, would fall for the okie doke. But then you have to understand that every, like, accolade that she gets, it always has to do with her physical acumen. Yeah. She's the strongest. Um, um, whatever, whatever physical thing you can do. It's never about her intelligence. It's yeah, never, she should I'm be the smartest. smartest. Yeah. Right. But she's not. And that's why she can just get, you know, the okie doke with the handshake and get slammed. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just like, you know, okay, are you saying that black people are strong, but they're not mentally there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I could be reading into things. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, hopefully now that Sasha's back, hopefully because, you know, we'll see what they, they do with the street profits. Mm-hmm. Let's see what that's going to turn into. Um, with New Day, we'll see, you know, if they get the belt. Um, you know, who else? The Apollo Crews. I wasn't really too keen on the Nigerian stereotypical African thing <laughs> with the with the sphere and all that old other, like, those types of tropes. But, hey, you know, you have to agree to those things. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what they do with Naomi. Oh God! That's, yeah, you know. she she needs to respect her name. So so specifically on the AEW side, my question to you is: Do you think that Tony Khan, when he saw that um, that you know he heard that it's all all you know all elite wrestling is you know is, is kind of known as being right? All right, right. What do you, do you think he responded appropriately? Has he responded appropriately recently? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's responding to that. Okay. You know what I'm saying, or it's just a coincidence. Okay. You know, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's addressed that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's interesting because everything that you said about um, Nyla Rose and Scorpio Sky, that was in the beginning. Yeah. That was two years ago. Mm-hmm. They've since lost both belts. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, whenever they have this thing where it's like, oh, the first Africa, okay, but, you know, at this point, two years in, I mean, you have Scorpio Sky, you have Sunny Kiss, now you have, you know, some other people coming in. Mm-hmm. But why does it have to be they can only hold it once? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you have wrestlers that hold belts multiple times. Yeah. And um, Scorpio Sky is a stud. So, yes, he is. you know, why? And he would be better as a singles wrestler. He'd be better as a right. singles wrestler. Right. Didn't he only have like one match with with Don Ma- or, or Chris Jericho, like or Don Moxley? Only had like one match mm-hmm. with them. Meanwhile, you have people who have multiple matches with the same person mm-hmm. for for a belt. Mm-hmm. So it was just how come he only had one? You yeah. know, so it was just kind of like, mm, you know, I don't know. Hopefully now with these new guys coming in, hopefully that they, they'll have more opportunity. They don't just stay on dark. People say, oh well, you know they're they're on. You know, AEW dark. Okay, but so what? I have to watch that on YouTube. I want to see them <laughs> on the main stage. Yeah, where they you deserve to saying? be. And Scorpio Sky right. can work. He's a, he's an athletic freak. He's explosive. I think you know. I know there is a lot of top heaviness now at AEW with Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. and and having all those gentlemen, um, the, the elite, super elite click or whatever the case may be. Right. So that's true. But at the same time, there's a balance, and I think. Um, there's a promising storyline with Malachi Black and Dante. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a promising storyline and in inserting Leo in there. But before we get into that storyline, let's talk about Jade. What Car- about Hobbs? Oh yeah, oh Hobbs. Yes. See, it, oh, I love right. Hobbs. he's a star. I love the fact that CM Punk wanted to work with him specifically. That says a lot about his character yeah. to put want to put him over. You know, instead of just being some meat, some meat, some meat, some meat, uh, meathead that's just hanging around. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I I love Hobbs. I, I was fortunate to see them at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Oh, you went. To, okay, and, let's talk about uh, that. How was that? Oh yeah, um, that was amazing. You know, shout out to Mikey Ruckus, who's the the music supervisor over there. He secured tickets for us, and um, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he definitely got me and my people in there. He got Sheik Luch in there, so he was sitting there. He enjoyed himself, mm-hmm. and um, you know. It was me and another podcaster. His name is Heartbreak Julio from the the Almanac show. Um, He was there. And um, we were the only ones rooting for Hobbs in Arthur Ashe. Like, no, everybody was rooting for CM Punk. And I get it. Mm -hmm. People love CM Punk. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we need people, like, at these venues. And there are a lot of people of color that were at the venue. And, you know, they weren't really cheering for Hobbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that was that was the thing that 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 we noticed. And um, but it was a great event. Um, seeing it live was a whole different experience. Um, seeing Daniel Bryant against Kenny Omega was like top five. Really? Yeah. Talk about the energy okay. about yes. the crowd. Let's let's really break it down real quick. OK, so one of the biggest. Mo- I mean, I mean, it's a dream. It literally was a dream match. Tell me about the aura, yeah. the energy in the stadium when that match happened. Walk me through that experience and that match in your mind. Okay. So, I came in right when Daniel Bryant was staring Kenny down. Because for some strange reason, I said, let me go get a drink. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, they were talking about, because I had no idea that we're going to open. That, that threw me off. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my God, we have to prep and sit down. So I got down there and it was them staring at each other. The place was on fire. The place was on fire. And um, it was a stellar match. 
it was it was we were worried about Daniel Bryan because I was like, yo, I hope you know that V trigger doesn't take him out. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he was doing a lot of moves. But um, it was so exciting. It was electrifying. Like it was crazy. The whole place was just roaring for for Daniel Bryan. They really were. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Nice. And who else was there? Don Mox. They they shot dark that night too. Mm-hmm. So when Homicide came out um, with with Don uh, Moxley and um, Eddie Kingston, that was electric too. Um, we saw little Uzi Bird come out. He didn't say much, but <laughs> we saw him come out. But overall, it was an amazing night. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing night. The place was packed. Like New York loved, definitely loved um, AEW. And another great match was seeing um, um, Penta mm-hmm. and his brother mm-hmm. with Proud and Powerful. They were that was amazing. So there, because those two are New York guys. So when they came out dressed as um those characters from the from the Warriors movie. Mm-hmm. Like that was amazing. Like they got a big applause for that too. So mm-hmm. so yeah, it was great. Interesting. So did it felt like a professional wrestling sh- it felt like a big production. Yeah, it did. It definitely felt like a, a big wrestling show. It was like that Kenny Omega Daniel Bryan match. I felt like that was pay per view worthy. hmm Definitely I agree with you. And, and and we got it right there. So it, like it was if he just keeps doing stuff like that, he's, he's on the right track. Wow. Excellent. I'm so happy that you were part of an historic moment at Arthur Ashe Stadium. My hope is to be going to an AEW show, um, hopefully in Miami. We'll see. Um, probably, hopefully it doesn't sell out by the time I get there, um, but we'll see. Um, if, if I have the opportunity to go to the one in Miami, I will. Um, so, awesome. I know they're coming back to New York in, in December, so you may be able to get that too. Oh, that'll be dope. Yeah, definitely. That's true. So- so let's talk about the growth of the new TBS championship and Jade Cargill. <laughs> let's talk right. about that. What are your thoughts about her growth thus far? Do you think they need to give her, I think most recently she's had a match where she had like a little bit longer time. And then the, the most recent match she had on, I think it was on Dynamite or Rampage. It was Rampage. It was a little shorter. Do you think they need to start elongating her matches a little bit more now or continue with the Goldberg style, you know, squash in about two or three minutes and continue to build from there? What are your thoughts? Um, I love Jade. I love that she's a dominant force. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she's like the tallest and probably the biggest out of all the girls, except for maybe um, Kat Statlander or mm-hmm. Nala Rose. Yes. So um, I like that she's dominating because it's realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, she's built like a brick house. Mm-hmm. Um, the Goldberg thing is cool, but I definitely want to see her in longer matches because I want to see how she is against a form a real formidable opponent. Yes. So I definitely want to see her with, with, with other big girls mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do a nice, you know, 10, 15 minute match mm-hmm. and see, and see how she fares. And because, you know, that way she be able to cut her teeth more get more experience. I know some people say, Oh, she's still a little rough and she still has, you know, some work to do. Okay. Well, you know, practice makes perfect. So I definitely would definitely want to see that. But I love her personality. Oh, yeah. And she can sell her ass off. Oh, yeah. She's that bitch and she knows it and nobody's going to tell her anything. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah, too. I love it. So so do you think the TBS title, do you think it's too early to put the strap on Jade Cargill with the TBS uh, tournament? Or what do you think? No. Okay. No, I don't. If if she's that bitch, then that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Why make her wait? If you're going to position her to be, you know, almost the, the female face 
for the brand along with Britt Baker. Why not? Yeah. Do you think that they should have went with a, with a women's tag before they went to the, with a, with another mid level, or or do you think that was a smart move? I think it's smart because if the men have a, I'm just thinking parity. If the men have a TV title, then the women should have a TV title. If the men have a tag, women should have to. That's just how it goes in my mind. What do you think about that? Right. I think there should be um, there should be both. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think if the men have one, the women should have one. Mm-hmm. Just just to, just to keep it, you know equal equal footing yeah um if there's a woman's tag title i mean is there really any women's tag teams on aw because i haven't seen any legit tag team partners not people thrown together like a legitimate tag team whatever maybe if they build that up Mm -hmm. um they can but i don't think we should wait for that in order to put you know have a title for the women Mm -hmm. who are single performers I agree. I think it's smart because as they build the roster, um, as they get better, and they've had some great matches. Um, most recently, I had uh, on on our on our podcast site, I had posted about you know uh, Sheeta and Serena Deeb had a great match, um, an absolutely fantastic match, and the quality of the matches are getting great. And as thing, you know, I do want to see Big Swole. I know she's been dealing with health issues and things of that nature, but I definitely would love to see uh, Big Swole get an opportunity to have the TBS or the women's title as well. Um, I just think she should be utilized more on, on regular television, not just on dark as well. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I hope that she gets a chance to be on regular television as well. You know? Yeah, that's, that's real. Yeah. We haven't seen big school, mm-hmm. um, in a while. And I, and I hope we see her. Cause I love her personality. She's amazing. And you know, she, she's no punk, you know, so I definitely like her. I like her look mm-hmm. and I, uh, you know, she might, she might give data run for her money. She might give, you know, a lot of them a run for for their money oh yeah oh yeah and she's great i mean her promo skills are ridiculous let's talk about the two-year anniversary um two-year reflection of so far where aew is what do you what would you grade aew over two years of dynamite i give them a b plus over two years i would i would definitely give them between a b and a b plus mm-hmm. um it's still new mm-hmm. and you know and people say oh it's only two years I give them a B because I would give them a B. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, they have a lot of veterans back there that mm-hmm. work there. Mm-hmm. You have Arn, you have Sully, you have, you know, Jericho. Now you have Mark Henry. So you have a lot of people that are seasoned and experienced that can give them advice on, on how to um, grow and what type of matches, you know, will draw and, and help with creative. Mm-hmm. So, so far, I haven't been disappointed. Um, I'm glad they have a dark actually because it gets to showcase you know the other talent that we that doesn't get to you know be on the main stage mm-hmm. who are just as tested hopefully they'll they'll graduate to the main stage mm-hmm. um and now they have rampage which you know i like also which is you know pretty much fast-paced back-to-back wrestling mm-hmm. so i think they're they're doing very well they don't have to oversaturate they should just stay where they're at now mm-hmm. and um and start working for the, you know, on their creative and having more people of color get, you know, airtime, not because they're people of color, but because they <laughs> are talented mm-hmm. and people representation does matter. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we don't always have to see the young bucks. We really don't. They have the way they have more <laughs> than enough, you know, TV time. Exactly. No disrespect. Yeah. But <laughs> I want to see more private party. Yeah. Yeah. Like private party, like, I mean, I want to see them like 
create some serious magic. They did that at um, AEW mm-hmm. um, at Arthur Ashe. But yeah, I, I, I want to see them in some really good, you know, storylines and have them have more, you know, visibility. And, um, you know, we don't have to see Chris Jericho all the time either. Mm-hmm. No disrespect. But, mm-hmm. you know, let the other, you know, let the other people, you know, get, get some shine. And, you know, you have three shows. You know, let some people, you know, get some shine. Exactly. And I love the fact that they have the Nightmare Factory. I love the fact that they're trying to build something. What I do want to see in wrestling, too, is more interviewers, more people that do TV work as well. I mean, I think if AEW really wants to be different, they develop their own broadcasting school as well inside of. So while while you're developing wrestlers, you're creating more referees. You're creating more people that can do interview segments. You're creating people that can add to the brand and be talented as well. You know, you could you could really help and and increase talent in that world. Also with, um, Booker T, congratulations to him with with reality wrestling getting it on set, you know on TV now and uh, on multiple television stations as well. So um, you know wrestling looks beautiful. And so just to kind of round out this episode, and I'm just so happy to have you on and to talk with you. Let's talk about Leo Rush, right? When Leo Rush initially came back, um, I went. I was happy. To, I was. Oh, I was so happy to have him back. Number one, I listened to the ep- an episode with him and Vicky. Car- excuse me, episode with R- Vicky Guerrero on her podcast that she does via Anchor, and uh, he talked about the, the real mental anguish that he was dealing with with the injury. And a lot of times, we just think a lot of times athletes should just be like, "Oh, just suck it up and you'll be back. It's just a normal thing." You know, when you get hurt, there's a psychological aspect to pain and the, and just the, just just rehabilitation takes a lot of emotional energy. And so right. the fact that he actually had the opportunity to speak to that, I do encourage people, if you haven't listened to Vicky Guerrero's episode, excuse me, with Leo Rush, which came out last week, really take a chance to hear him because there is still some of these weird nerds, alt-writer type weird wrestling nerds, some of them are, who look at who disrespect Leo and, and like, oh, didn't he retire? And they have these little snarky ass comments about him. And he's not, you know, he doesn't have respect for the business If him. And Mark Henry made it up. Then you as a fan who don't know the circumstances should be able to forgive him and be cool with him as well. If Mark Henry hit, if him and Mark Henry buried the hatchet, then you need to just shut up and stop trying to hate on him and be mean for no reason. Um, right. What are your yeah, thoughts so- on Leo Rush being back? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, the, the I'm retired, unretiring, I'm retired, unretiring thing that that's like, okay, are we cry- is this the boy who cried wolf or what, like what's going on? Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have to, we have to deal with, you know, COVID out here. I don't have to deal with, you know, doing stunts where if it goes wrong or it's botched, I could possibly be paralyzed. I could possibly, you know, really really injure myself or another person mm-hmm. um i know people feel like you know wrestling is fake it's, it's not real um but you know listen the fact of the matter is you're still using your body period right so you know it's the same as being a stunt person yep you know when you watch the avengers you know, Chris Evans is not doing all them stunts. There's a stunt person doing that, you know, and exactly. they're putting their body and risking their body. And wrestlers are, you know, similar. Mm-hmm. You know, they just deal with a storyline. But at the end of the day, they don't have a stunt double. They are the stunt double. So they have to go, you know, put their bodies to the test. And, you know, these people have families that they have to, you know, care for and, and maintain. 
So, you know, whenever you get hurt, you know, you're going to have to sit down and have a come to Jesus moment to decide, okay, is this something that I really want to continue doing where I'm putting my body at risk at a high level? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're not in his home, so we don't know what his kids are saying to him when they're crying to him, when they see him bandaged and bruised up. We don't know what his wife is saying to him who may be pleading with him to please, like, not do this because I don't want to get the call that you're paralyzed or, or something happened because we've seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. So if we're not in those shoes, you know, we really shouldn't speak as to his mind state as it pertains to his health. Exactly. Um, instead of saying you're retiring, just say you're taking some time off to really reflect on things. Cause when you say retire, people think that you're done. Yeah. So when you come back, it's just like, okay, so are you done or are you not done? Mm-hmm. Um, he has every right to, to walk away or come back. Um, I just think that, you know, um, I guess it's the language that he's using is, is what's putting people off. Mm-hmm. So if someone says they're retired, I'm thinking that, okay, you, that you're really retired. You're not really, mm-hmm. you know, going to do this anymore, but people have right to change their mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not my body. It's not my family. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, keep that oh, same right, energy for John oh, Cena. Right. I would tell him that, you know, keep that same energy. for I John mean, Cena. But they're not, <laughs> they're not, you know, we're, you know, when you're a person of color, you, you always have the magnifying glass on you. Mm-hmm. Your, your thing is super critiqued and criticized mm-hmm. and raped with a fine tooth comb. So they're not going to tell John Cena that they're going to say, Oh, but he's passionate about the, about the business. And that's why he's back. But you know, that, that is never afforded to us. Mm-hmm. So I think um, for those people, um, you just need to, t- to tune them out. You'll mm-hmm. always find them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no different than when people want to talk about um, Terry Bollea mm-hmm. and his, his racist ass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll find these same people who would never hold him accountable for what he said, you know, but they have all the smoke for, for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So those people just have to tune out and, and he should tune them out. They're, they're you know, they're always going to look for an opportunity to, to down a black person. Exactly. So, you know, that's just part for the course. Exactly. Well, it's been a joy to have you on and, and to talk to you about, um, the sport that we love, that squared circle and to hear your passion and your voice and your perspective, especially hearing a woman, a black woman wrestling fan is so encouraging and there is diversity in this community and there is a voice and you're such a loving and a kind person. And I look forward to one day we go to a wrestling show together with the crew and, and just build this community as, as this community community continues to grow and build influence within the community. I think it's helpful for the international wrestling community. So thank you so much, Deborah, for coming on. You're amazing. You're great. Absolutely. And I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Like I said, you're you're the first one, so I I definitely I know I, I know I held you off for a while, no, no. but I'm glad you know that we had a chance to talk. But it wouldn't be me if I didn't plug other you know black podcasts if I can. Yeah, do it. Um, I want to shout you guys out. Um, please follow them. Please follow Twenty by Twenty Podcast. Um, with the great guys over there, um, Nathan and Bing. Um, the Almanac Show with Heartbreak Julio and the Michael Dre Fox. Um, my boy Fred Rashani with TSC News, um, Public Enemies podcast. Oh my gosh, the Jabba Kids podcast. Love them. Um, the Quincy Jones, the Quincy Jones show. Oh my gosh, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. Dirty Heels. 
Um, I love my people. I love, I love all people. I'm a child of God, but I love my black people and wrestling doing their thing. And I'm always going to support and, and please follow them and please support them. And, and, you know, have more respect or get punched in the face. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, that's it. That seals this episode of wrestling while black. Thank you so much. Peace.